0: Please, if you wish, that is, uh, in your own copies of God's Word, to Psalm 103, once more. And I will be reading verses 15 through 18. And I've asked Nicholas Saravi if he would ask God's blessing on the Word proclaimed. Psalm 103, at verse... 15. As for man, his days are as grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it, and it is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. But the loving kindness of Jehovah is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him. And his righteousness unto children's children to such as keep his covenant and to those that remember his precepts to do them let us pray Lord, thank you for your love for us for watching over us in the day and the and night and, and always keeping us God, uh, even though we're so easy to wander off Lord, you keep us in the paths, and we thank you for that. And I pray, Lord, that as we hear your word, and as David prayed, Lord, that we're pierced to the heart to want to love you more, and to obey you more, and to help others to love you and obey you as well. Lord, thank you for your loving kindness to us, always pray, Lord, that you just bless this night and bless the preaching of your word. Amen. Well, we preached on 16 last week, and we're focusing on 17 tonight. Let me just read that once again, if you don't mind too much. As for man, his days are as grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it, and it is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. David, <clears throat> the sweet psalmist, proclaiming words that in and of themselves aren't so sweet, they're speaking, he is speaking, God the Holy Spirit is speaking of the mortality of men. It is gone. The place shall know it no more. But the loving kindness of Jehovah is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness unto children's children to such as keep his covenant and to those that remember his precepts to do them. The loving kindness of Jehovah David is quick to remind us is from everlasting to everlasting to a certain people, those that fear God and his righteousness unto children's children. One of the uh, writers that I was consulting was talking about what a backdrop, if we can use that word that David has put down in verses 15 and 16 what a backdrop of the mortality of man not knowing the next moment whether you will be alive or not the mortality we all know it's true we all know that we shall unless the Lord comes before that we shall all face death we shall all deal with this mortality personally in ourselves, in our own bodies, in our own spirits. This kind of dark, shadowy, almost black backdrop that David has painted here, it's in contrast with what we've been looking at. It's been pointed out that this psalm has no petitions in its 22 verses it's all praise to God and we've brought that out more than once it's all praising God bless Jehovah O oh my soul and all that is within me bless his holy name bless Jehovah O oh my soul and forget not all his benefits and this, the entirety of this psalm is taken up with the psalmist with David with the people of God that sang this song for generations and generations Taken up with praising God, with thanking him for all his mercies, praising him for his goodness to his people and to all people, on and on. And and yet we kind of come across a, a bump in the road at verse 15. His days are as grass, talking about man. And he's like a flower of the field. He flourishes, but a little bit of a wind passes over and it's gone. It's no more there. It's gone. And the place doesn't even know it anymore. People in the neighborhood, in the area, in the community, they don't even realize that there was somebody there at one time. What happened to that little old house that used to stand on the corner? The wind blew and it's gone, and the individual is gone. Like a flower of the field, he flourished, but now he's gone and people don't even remember him. The memory of him is gone. But of course, God remembers his people. And David is quick to turn this dark picture around with verse 17, but the loving kindness of Jehovah. That huge word you, you remember in Ephesians 2, but God, who is rich in mercy, but God has given life to those who are dead in trespasses and sins. How many but gods we find in the word. That's a very important word and it's important here in verse 17, but yes, there's mortality. Yes, man is destined to die. This life will not go on forever and ever. Three score and 10 years, Moses said, Moses wrote, fourscore if by reason of strength, but it will cease. The wind passes over it and it ceases and it's known no more. But the loving kindness of Jehovah is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him. We need to write these buts down in our minds and in our hearts knowing that as bad as things may be, God is in control and but God. And take note of these things. I don't know if any of you are familiar with the artist Bob Ross. The uh, I think the name of his TV program on PBS was The Joy of Painting. <clears throat> but we're told that in 1961, Eighteen-year-old Bob Ross enlisted in the United States Air Force. Serving in Alaska, he eventually rose to the rank of Master Sergeant and served as a first sergeant at this base in Alaska. He tells us in his own words that having held positions that required him to be mean and tough, I don't know if any of you remember Gomer Pyle in in the Marines and that. Uh, sergeant that drill sergeant that was so tough on him but that's the picture that comes to my mind about this mean and tough drill sergeant and he goes on saying mean and tough the guy who makes you scrub the latrine the guy who makes you make your bed the guy who screams at you for being late for work Ross decided that if he ever left the military he would never yell or raise his voice again. Again, I don't know if you've seen his show. It's still syndicated and you can see it and it's very enjoyable. He paints a picture in a half an hour. Beautiful landscapes, snowscapes, seascapes, forest scapes, if that, if that counts. Beautiful, beautiful uh, paintings that he puts on the canvas. But he said that he would never raise his voice again or yell. He was just simply tired of that role in life of yelling at people all the time. Having to raise his voice in order to satisfy his superiors, I'm sure. But that's why, most certainly, that's why on his TV show, The Joy of Painting, we see him as remarkably soft-spoken, again if you haven't watched it I would recommend it at least once remarkably soft-spoken you've heard me use the phrase happy 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 all the time 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 but in the use of that phrase I'm usually talking about people that are fooling themselves and making believe that they're happy but this man was happy 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 and he made you feel happy watching him he truly enjoyed painting it came through him in every way but we see him as a remarkably soft-spoken one and this was one of his trademarks the other trademark was his permed afro hairstyle again if you haven't seen him you may not know what i'm talking about but you know what i'm talking about when i talk about afros and you know what i'm talking about when i talk about permed hair I'm constantly told, it's not even a surprise, I almost expect it to go in a market or a store of some sort and somebody says, oh, you look like uh, that, that artist. Uh, and I give him the name. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I've gotten to expect it. Imagine a drill sergeant perming his hair. Some men just have no shame. I don't know if anybody ever called him fuzzball, but I don't imagine they did it while he was a drill sergeant. But Bob Ross, to get back to our point, would begin one of his 30 minute paintings which carefully, with carefully setting the backdrop. That's what David did in 15 and 16. Ross would carefully set the backdrop and I don't know enough about painting to really explain any of this, I'll just describe what he would do. He would start out with all this different, he usually would throw some black and white and some some other dark colors on his palette and he'd slop it all together and then he would start smearing it on the on the canvas and, and he would pretty much cover the entire canvas with this dark backdrop, and you would think, how is he going to get anything out of that? How is that, what's going to happen here? And again, it was really worth watching, quite often, as I've suggested, this was done with grays mixed with blacks and whites, and it would leave, of course, a rather, at the very best, a drab background, if not a dark background unpleasant by itself but then he would begin to fill the backdrop with many different figures a cabin here a babbling brook here and he was so fast and so good it was just um, it was just going up almost at at the word he spoke it was appearing on the canvas really remarkable a babbling brook here a little tree over there and he was fond of saying oh let's let's put a little tree over here and there's a little tree over there well oh, we need another happy little tree over here just really fun to watch but he started out with that almost sinister that dark backdrop and then he would start building his his landscape or seascape on that backdrop and it would all start coming into view and coming into play and you saw why he started that way He could bring in snow just as well as waves of water, put a tree wherever he wanted, a mountain. Soon enough, the picture always began to brighten up and cheer the viewer powerfully. And I'm saying that matter-of-factly because I was cheered watching it. That may surprise some of you, (laughs) but I was. And that's that's the reason they called him the Happy Painter and that's the reason his show was called The Joy of Painting. He took joy in it. But getting back to our psalm singer I'm suggesting that David was an artist as well and that David also made use of a dark backdrop and that his dark backdrop in this case was verses 15 and 16. His dark backdrop was the sobering view of the evanescent existence of man, the mortality of man, the coming death, certain coming of death apart from our Lord Jesus Christ's return. This uh, blessed artist, this sweet singer in Israel, this poet, painter, singer, is written in this veiled shadow of man's existence and doesn't it when you read this after you come through 15 and 16 isn't it like a a splash on the canvas when you see these words but the loving kindness of Jehovah is from everlasting to everlasting and it splashes in our view and uh, it's exciting and it's incredibly happy to read these things about our God. We've read a few verses earlier. We are dust. We are dust. As for man, his days are grass and so on. Flourishes for a little while and then he's gone. But God, but the loving kindness of Jehovah. Wondrous, wondrous. In the midst of this psalm of praise, a psalm without the least petition, as we've already mentioned. It's an, it's, he started out intending that, obviously, that this was going to be a praise, starting out, bless Jehovah, ending, bless Jehovah, oh my soul. His intention was to praise God throughout Psalm 103, and he did it. But there's this dark veil suspended across the grandeur of this psalm. This shadow, if you will, this cloud, this dark cloud, perhaps we could say. But this veil is for the purpose of contrast. That's what Bob Ross did, and that's what I believe David did in essence. It's for contrast, for the sake of contrast. Man is nothing better than common grass. His purpose of being is little more than plain weeds. Even at his best he cannot attain to being reckoned as more than a flower of the field. At his best as to time he's no better than a flower of the field. Some among men are comparatively gorgeous blooms. They're a brief momentary flower of the field but they while they're in their momentary glory, to put it that way, they're gorgeous blooms. When I say men, I'm talking about mankind. We do have beautiful specimens of mankind, whether it's physically or intellectually or whatever. They're comparatively gorgeous blooms, but still their existence is short. No matter how beautiful, no matter how strong, no matter how clever, no matter how wise, their lives are short. And this is but the the grays and the blacks and the shadows, similar to the backdrop of Bob Ross, the happy painter. This is David, the sweet singer of Psalms, painting this backdrop to the same end. He's laid, laid this out in order to set in relief the anticipated beauty and quaintness of his painting when he gets to his point about the loving kindness of Jehovah. But the loving kindness of Jehovah is from everlasting to everlasting to those who fear him. The philosophy of the happy painter was expressed in a response to a letter from a viewer who said, Bob, everything in your world seems happy. His response, that's for sure. That's why I paint. It's because I can create the kind of world I want, and I can make this world as happy as I want it. Shoot, if you want bad stuff, you can watch the news. He painted to make himself happy, he painted to make others happy. Mm -hmm. David is writing, I believe, Psalm 103, praising God, but he's writing these praises, these thanksgivings by way of reminding the people who read and sing this Psalm, all the blessings, all the privileges, all the glory of Jehovah is God. He's writing to make himself happy along with the readers about all these blessings and the wonder of God at all. The wonder that God would take notice. What is man that thou art mindful of him? Gone in a moment and yet you take mind of him. It's a good news, bad news thing that we get down to with regard to the backdrop and then the brightening effects In the case of Bob Ross, of his lighter colors and brighter colors, in the case of the psalmist, when he gets back from the dark words, the shadows of mortality, to the truth according to the scriptures, the truth that God the Holy Spirit has caused David to write here about the loving kindness of Jehovah being from everlasting to everlasting. That's which the, that's what the psalmist has addressed in truth and clarity here. These things are bad news. The mortality. It's bad news to the unbeliever. To one who may be thinking, and you've heard people who may be thinking, this is all that the Bible has to say. It's just always bad news. These Bible thumpers. Are only satisfied with carrying on about eternal hellfire and brimstone. It's all they care about. It's not true. You know it's not true. I know it's not true. These sad unbelievers think that's the case because whether they acknowledge or not, they're convicted about their lifestyle, about their sinfulness, and, and deep down they're not really happy. Deep down, they know that verses 15 and 16 are true. They know that they're going to die. And they know somewhere in their depths that they're going to have to face judgment. They're preaching hellfire and brimstone to themselves. These Bible thumpers. Well, not me. And certainly not our sweet psalm singer. He can't wait to get to the good news. I mean, he's mixing up his brightest colors like Bob Ross did on his palette, getting ready to put them on there, getting ready to bring out beautiful landscaping, seascaping, snowscaping, and so on. He can't wait. King David, our happy painter in this case, happily leaves the morbid setting of a dark backdrop and returns to his favorite activity, That of praising and thanking his God. Blessed Jehovah, O my soul, and all that is within me. He anxiously desires to get back in step with the brightness that awaits the believer in Jesus Christ. And so he does so in the very next verse. He jumps in with both feet, we could say. But the loving kindness of Jehovah is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him. Here we find ourselves with David praising Jehovah for his everlasting loving kindness in Christ. Indeed, it is from everlasting to everlasting. He has already assured us that the loving kindness of Jehovah is as high as the heavens. You remember that? In verse 11, as high as the heavens is the loving kindness of Jehovah. One has well said, I believe anyway, one has well said that the faithful ministers of Christ do not seek to darken the picture of human life. It is dark enough already. Now maybe there are some that want to darken it even more, trying to get people to come down an aisle. trying to get them to raise their hand or do this or that so they can add numbers on their wall But I believe and I agree with whoever it is that said faithful ministers ministers of Christ do not seek to darken the picture of human life they don't need to it's dark enough already their object rather is to introduce the lights of heaven amongst the dark shadows of earth that they may exhibit to man preaching the gospel that they may exhibit to man, preaching Jesus Christ that they may exhibit to man the whole portrait of his position, the good news, the glad tidings, the gospel of Jesus Christ, his glorious relief against the backdrop of this bad news of the coming death of every man and woman on earth till you have seen the whole picture don't judge the whole till you know life and immortality brought to life by the gospel till you know life and immortality brought to light by the gospel and brought to your own soul you do not know the gospel you do not understand the Bible you don't have the whole picture It's sad and, and a shame that these people go around, these unbelievers go around talking as though they knew the whole story, that they had the whole picture. And I'm not a stranger or a foreigner to that. I can remember the day. But it's sad anyway. See the emphasis that David, through God the Holy Spirit, Our song artist places upon that one word, but, but, yes, there's death. Yes, there's mortality. Yes, there's shortness of life, but the loving kindness of Jehovah is from everlasting to everlasting to them that fear him. Everlasting to everlasting. You'll only be here a short while, but There is everlasting life. God is an everlasting God. But the loving kindness of Jehovah is from everlasting to everlasting. If you're involved with the loving kindness of Jehovah, if you belong to him through Jesus Christ, and the loving kindness that you're involved in, the loving kindness that you've been brought into, is from everlasting to everlasting, why should you be concerned about these other things? that concern those that hate God and hate the gospel. The loving kindness of Jehovah. From everlasting to everlasting, how long is that? How long is everlasting to everlasting? Forever and ever unto the ages of the ages. But there's still words from everlasting to everlasting unto eternity. But what's eternity? Okay, you say that's the loving kindness of Jehovah's from everlasting to everlasting. How long is that? Is it ever gonna stop? Is there an end anywhere? How long is eternity? I remember my father's expressing his thoughts of eternity. He wasn't a godly man. But I remember this anyway, he, he defined or explained. And that's all we can do with, uh, with eternity. And that's all we can do with the Trinity. Things like that is come up with analogies. We know they're true because of the faith that God has given us when he gave us a new heart, when he brought us to newness of life. But to, people try to explain eternity, they try to explain the Trinity and they use, they use some kind of illustrations which don't really explain anything. It's just another illustration. And that's what my father offered. But it's interesting to me that I still remember it after many, many years. He said, a sparrow, once every one million years, lights on a granite mountain, 10 miles high and takes one peck one peck every million years, and eternity is gone when the mountain is gone. Well, that's an interesting illustration, but still there's an end, isn't there? Someday the mountain's gonna be gone. It may be really hard on the sparrows, but someday the mountain is gonna be gone. That's all we can come up with. We have to know God in order to know eternity. We have to know Jesus Christ in order to know everlasting life, in order to understand the loving kindness of Jehovah that is from everlasting to everlasting. We need to ask that question, what saith the scriptures? I think J.C. Ryle asked that question in his items. So I read probably every paragraph, what sayeth the scriptures? Good question to ask, isn't it? We read in Genesis 21 and 33, and Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba and called there on the name of Jehovah, the everlasting God. Well, that helps. We know that Jehovah, Abraham's God, is the everlasting God. But just who is this everlasting God that Abraham called upon? His name is Jehovah, that's who He is. I was what I was, I am Jehovah. I am what I am, I am Jehovah. I will be what I will be, I am Jehovah, I am. That's Abraham's God. Abraham knew who Jehovah was. He spoke with him and God spoke with Abraham. Isaiah knew who Jehovah was, who Jehovah is. In Isaiah 9, 6, a familiar passage, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. where one is offered the rendering, Father of the everlasting age. The loving kindness of Jehovah is from everlasting to everlasting. Prince of Peace, Jehovah, Jesus, I Am, is what Christ responded when those soldiers came to take him in Gethsemane who do you look for Jesus of Nazareth I am and they fell backward he is Jehovah he is Jehovah Jesus but the loving kindness of Jehovah is from everlasting to everlasting but what is this loving kindness we've discussed this word on other occasions Frankly, I don't tire of discussing it because I find it more wonderful every time. The word is chesed. But consider, consider simply the verses, the number of occasions in the 136th Psalm. You're familiar with that Psalm probably because of its repetition, repetition, repetition. O give thanks unto Jehovah for he is good, for his loving kindness endureth forever. You'll find endureth in italics. It's been added by the translators. It's not really needed, but perhaps they consider it helpful. Perhaps it is helpful, but it should read for his loving kindness forever. O give thanks unto the God of gods for his loving kindness forever and it goes on through 26 verses, 26 thanksgivings, praises to God, pointing out His glory, pointing out things that He had done, pointing out His victories and so on. And after each point is made for His loving kindness forever. I remember seeing a particular translation in I'm not even going to say which one I think it is. It was, but they thought it was satisfactory. Um, they thought it was satisfactory just to just to leave out the for his loving kindness and do it forever, and just go through all the first lines of each verse, and then at the end, just say for his loving kindness endureth forever. A miserable men that came up with that ignoring totally the beauty and the glory and the wonder of that loving kindness enduring forever. God put it down here 26 times. We should keep it here 26 times after each statement, reminding ourselves, whoever we may be reading this to in our families, among our friends, his loving kindness endureth forever, his loving kindness. Forever. As I've already suggested, some people think it's redundant. They think it's unnecessary. Is it really repetition to stress the blessedness of loving kindness and its eternity? But the loving kindness of Jehovah is from everlasting to everlasting. It's eternal and it's wonderful and it speaks of our God. Many translations have simply translate chesed as mercy. I'm not criticizing those translations for doing that. They're probably in the majority or at least half of them translated as mercy. And that's technically correct, but I think it leaves so much out. It's not enough. It, it, it is though, it's as though loving kindness is 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 hesed elevated to a much a much higher plane than that than that of mercy. It's it's loving kindness includes mercy. It includes grace. The wonder of that word that man has struggled to come up with a word to translate chesed in these cases. I'm not denying it's mercy, but I'm saying strongly that it's much more than simply mercy, much more than mercy. Loving kindness includes mercy. It includes grace. Behind his mercy and grace, God's eternal love, existing from before the foundation of the world is in view. It has But the loving kindness of Jehovah. But the loving kindness of Jehovah. Jehovah has, as it were, wrapped up these wrapped these things up in in his grand and eternal fatherly affection for his people. As though he put mercy and grace together in a gift package. Then he wrapped this wondrous gift with a crimson ribbon of boundless love. You see, the love of God includes mercy and grace. It wraps it up. When you you receive the loving kindness of Jehovah, you receive his mercy and grace. It's in this package wrapped up in this wondrous gift with a crimson ribbon of boundless love and with nail-pierced hands tying together a blood-soaked bow. That's a gift package from our Father in heaven. We know that we are saved by the mercy of God. We know that we're saved by the mercy of God through the exercise of His grace through His Son through the merit of His Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, through the blood of the Lamb of God. But why did He ever love us? I don't believe we'll ever know the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth of that love that's involved in loving kindness, that's involved in God turning His face toward us in love and in the beauty of the face of his son, our Lord Jesus Christ. We read in Jeremiah 31, the third verse, Jehovah appeared of old unto me saying, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore with loving kindness have I drawn thee. And listen to what Jehovah has said in Isaiah 55, and yes, it's a familiar passage. You'll recall much of it. But listen Isaiah 55, the first three verses. Ho, oh, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye buy and eat. Yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do ye spend money for that? which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not, hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear, and come unto me, hear, and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David." and I might say, even the sure mercies of the son of David, the greater son of David. Let us pray. Our Father, we thank thee for our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank thee for that so great salvation. Oh, Father, may we fill our days and our hours with cries unto thee, blessed be Jehovah. Bless Jehovah, my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Father, help us to incorporate these blessings, these thanksgivings into the center of our lives. For thy glory, for our joy to be seen, that we might indeed be the light of the world, as thou hast called us to be. We ask for thy help. We ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd stand for the benediction. The first few verses of John 14. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I come again and will receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Amen.